So we're continuing on with the sermon series that we started last week on Shape to Make a Difference. And last week we talked about how God is a giver and how every good thing that we have in this world is a gift from him. The Bible even says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so everything that you have in this life that is good is from God. It's a powerful way to think about that. And one of the coolest things that he gave you, and we're going to talk about a lot of cool things that he gave you today, but one of the coolest things he gave you is that he made you unique and special. You are uniquely shaped on purpose here on earth. And there, as a result, there was never ever going to be anybody that's like you. Not exactly like you. Won't look exactly like you. Won't have your thumbprints. Won't have your eye prints. Won't have your voice print. Won't have all those different things. And so God says to you and me something very powerful this morning, if you hear it. He says, I made you to be you. And I want you being like anybody else. I made you to be you. And glory in that. Celebrate that. We also said, too, that there are five things that make you you. Rick Warren you calls them your shape. And S, we talked about, is spiritual gifts, what you are gifted to do. And H stands for heart, what you love to do, your passions, your interests, what is put inside of you by God. A stood for abilities, natural abilities that you're good at. P for personality. You have a very distinct personality, different from everybody else's in the world. E stood for your experiences, which are unique to you. You have vocational experiences, relational experiences, spiritual experiences, painful experiences. And God says, I gave you all these things, and I shaped you in a very specific way, and I did it on purpose, because I have purpose for your life. And so this is why this is all important. When you know what you're shaped to be, then you know what you ought to be, and then you can spend your rest of life working on that instead of so many other things. And to help you along the way in becoming the person that God created you to be, to do the purpose that he created you to do, I want you to know that God gives you very, four very powerful gifts this morning. Some of them you will know. All of them you should know. But all, most of these you will know. And some might be surprised to you. But four, four powerful gifts that God gives you through his son Jesus that you receive the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Many people may not know that they have all these gifts. But God gives you four major gifts this morning that I want you to think about. And then we're going to talk about those afterwards. One of the first gifts that he gives you is forgiveness. How many guys knew that one? Just out of curiosity. Everybody? Good. That's important. And, and this is an important one. It truly is. Because even if there was no such thing as heaven, and there is, let me be very clear about that today. But even if there weren't, it would be worth getting to know God and becoming right with God for this very simple reason. So that you didn't have to carry all that guilt around like we tend to do. Now, lots of times we don't think about all our guilt, but you know what? There's times where that waves over us when we become very cognizant of our guilt. I was explaining communion a little bit. I think it was at one of the later services last week, and one of the members came up to me, and she said, I never, I never quite thought of it like that. And so I'll just share with you what I said. I was talking about communion, and I said when we confess our sins, because we were working communion right after our confession at the 11 o'clock service, when we confess our sin, truly what confession means is not just saying, I'm sorry, but it's saying, I'm sorry, and I'm committing right now to turn away from that sin and walk away from it. And I said, that's truly what we're coming to the altar to say, God, I'm sorry, and give me the strength to keep walking this way. And that was convicting to this young gal because she says so often, I just say, I'm sorry, and I'm planning on doing it the next day. I mean, not planning on doing it, but I'm pretty sure that it's going to come up again. We all have pet sins that we continue to kind of 
do over and over and over. And she says, it really convicted me. She said, I'm not just apologizing for the past, but I'm committing now to be different in the future. And that was, that was new information for me. And all of a sudden, I wasn't feeling guilty. And then all of a sudden, I was filled with a wave of guilt because I hadn't been looking at it that way, because I hadn't been struggling in overcoming. The reality is when we don't receive the forgiveness of God, we can walk around with a lot of guilt. Sometimes we pretend it's not there, but then we hit these moments where waves come over us. But God gives us forgiveness so that we don't have to carry that guilt around. And so this idea of being completely forgiven, if you can imagine that, to be freed from the bondage of sin, of regret, of guilt that you've been carrying around for years in some cases, to be made right with God. Again, I shared this with somebody the other day, and it's, it's like, I'll give you an example. Let's say I got caught up at work and I missed my daughter's uh, band performance, okay? And she had been looking forward to me being there. In fact, she had asked 17 times probably, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? And for whatever reason, I get caught up at work and, and I'm driving home and I'm feeling horrible. I don't know if my kid's going to forgive me. I mean, she asked over and over, could I be there? And I walk in the door and I say, honey, I'm so sad that I missed it. And she says, that's okay, daddy. Mommy taped it for you. I forgive you. And at that moment, you experience forgiveness and a release of the guilt, a tangible freedom. I was feeling horrible. And my little girl looks up at me and says, Daddy, I love you and you're forgiven. When Jesus says, I love you and forgiven, it's even more complete than my little girl. Saying, I don't hold it against you anymore. I'm not going to bring it up anymore. I'm not going to think bad of you anymore. She didn't say I didn't blow it, <laughs> but she said I was forgiven. It's a powerful thing, and it should be awesome and life-changing to those who receive it. Sadly, however, I believe a lot of people in life are not very happy individuals because they don't do that, and they carry this constant burden of guilt and resentment all the way through life. Guilt over things that I've done to others, resentment over the things that they've done to me, just can't let go of it. And that can make you awful miserable over time. But the answer to both of these actually is forgiveness, isn't it? Giving it and receiving it. When you give forgiveness, just like my little girl, you give freedom to the individual that you're forgiving. When you're asking for forgiveness, you're asking someone to free you. But the answer to both of those, obviously, is forgiveness. The Bible says in Romans 5.15, Jesus Christ brought or bought brought forgiveness to many through God's bountiful gifts. So one of the first things Jesus says to us this morning is, we're going to forgive everything that you've ever done wrong through my blood, through my death, through my resurrection. We're going to forgive all of it. Not that it was okay, not that I'm going to just blow it off because it wasn't important, but because I died and rose again, I'm going to choose to forget it forever. It's just as if you'd never sinned. That's what the word justified means. It's just as if you'd never sinned because I died and rose again and that's a really good deal. And hear me also say this. It's not one that we deserve. We don't deserve our forgiveness. It's something that we can only receive as a gift from God through Jesus Christ. 
And that's the first gift that God gives us. He gives us forgiveness for all our sins, and we should celebrate that. The second one is even cooler than that, and that's that he gives us the gift of eternal life in heaven. This life of ours is but a blip on the screen in heaven. Eternity is forever and ever and ever. And the scripture talks about spending eternity in only one of two places. There doesn't talk about a purgatory anywhere, but it talks about hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, ultimately thrown in a pit of fire for eternity. That sounds really bad, okay? I'm gonna say that's the bad option. And then there's heaven, just sitting before God, which is having work and, and, and occupation to do in heaven, which is spending time with believers for our eternity. God talks about it being a place of incredible joy and incredible peace, things that we don't often experience in this earth. So he gives us this gift of eternal light, and you might call this the gift that keeps on giving. Because God obviously then has long-range plans for all of us. It's not a 100-year plan or an 80-year plan. It's an eternity plan. He says, I want to be with you and I want you to be with me forever and ever and ever in heaven. In Romans 6, 23, the Bible says this, the wages of sin is death. That, again, is the bad news. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the get-out-of-jail-free card. One that was cost a lot to pay for. But Jesus paid the price. In other words, you're never going to work your way to heaven. You're never going to earn your way into heaven. You can't be good enough to get into heaven because you're not, because heaven is perfect and you're not. You can't buy your way into heaven. There's not a curve for you to get into heaven where God looks at all the good things you did and he looks at the bad things you did and says, I guess it's good enough. Come on in. It's not the way it works. The only way that you can get into heaven is by his free gift. And it is a gift that you receive by faith. Christianity, right? Heaven, eternity. It's the simplest and hardest thing you can ever do. It's just saying thank you, Jesus. It's trusting Jesus that when he died and rose again, that gift for you was made complete. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus said. It is a free gift that you receive solely by faith, which just means by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Lord means, when you have a Lord and trusting him as Lord, it means one that you seek to follow, that you seek to obey. Savior means one that you rely on and trust completely to save you. When we do that, we receive heaven and forgiveness. And there's another thing that God gives us as well. The moment we receive or we become believers in Jesus, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. God says, I'm not just going to be around you, and I'm not just going to be with you. He says, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit inside of you, so he'll be with you wherever you go. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5, that God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So how do you know you're letting God live in your life, live through your life in a powerful way? The Bible tells us, actually, you see it through the fruit of the Spirit. You remember those? Through the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of us have visited that place, right, where we have those. All of us leave that place periodically because of our sin. But God says, when I'm living through you, that's what your life looks like. Let me read them again. Love, joy, peace. Patience, <laughs> kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God says, these are the nine qualities I put into your life that when you let me live through you, this is what it looks like. And here's the other thing. I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to give you a strength that you do not have when you become a believer in me. Unfortunately, I think that many people just never call on that strength. Maybe they don't realize that the Spirit's in them and wants to do things for them. I don't know. But God has put it in you. And here's the thing. It's not a feeling that you experience. It's a fact. You may feel full of God. It may not. It doesn't matter. 
Your feelings are irrelevant in this case. It's a fact. And God says, if you'll trust me, I'll give you my power to accomplish great things through my spirit so that you can do what I created you to do. God says, trust me. Do do you get this whole thing? All these gifts are for you if you just trust God that they're there. He's promised them. It's just a matter of saying thank you. I could say I got a million dollars in the back of my car and it's yours if you go get it, but if you don't trust me, you're never going to go get it. And thus you're not enriched. By the way, I don't have it, so I'm breaking my car. Uh, But the reality is, right? It's only a gift if you trust. Then God gives us another one. Fourth gift that he gives us is the gift of some special abilities. This is one that maybe not everybody knew that they got from God. When you put your faith in Christ, he gives you the gift of forgiveness, eternal life, his spirit, and he also gives you the gift of some special abilities. And these special abilities are called in the Bible spiritual gifts, which make them different from material gifts or or physical gifts. They are spiritual gifts. They are the abilities that you need to get the job done that God wants you to do. These special gifts give you the ability to do the purpose he planned for you from the very beginning. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Brothers and sisters, I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. And then he goes on and he talks about it. Unfortunately, I think most people who are believers don't even know that they've got them, much less know what they are. But each and every one of you was given a spiritual gift, probably multiple spiritual gifts when you came to faith in Jesus Christ. God put them into your life. They're dormant, waiting to be used, but they're special abilities that you now have. God promises us this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, I never stop thanking God for all the generous gifts that he has given to you now that you belong in Christ Jesus. He has enriched your church with eloquence and every kind of knowledge, and you have every spiritual gift that you need. And so here's the thing. What is a spiritual gift? Well, God says, I have a purpose for your life. And the spiritual gifts that I give you are the equipment, right, that you need to accomplish the purpose that I have for you. And God will never ask you to do something, not in his word, that he doesn't first give you the ability to do. And these gifts are given to you the moment that you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, it's true, you don't get to choose your gift. God chooses it for you. And it's true that you don't get to earn your gift. It's a gift. It's sovereignly given. And maybe the most important thing for us to understand about these gifts is they're not given to you. In other words, they're given to you to help other people. But they're not given for you. Again, they're given to you to help other people. And other people in this church, right? And this is why church, family is so important, are given gifts to help you. All right, you listen to the praise team sing. Obviously, some of them got that gift, right? And are we blessed by it every Sunday? Every Sunday. We get to experience God's grace and his love through song. And it's a gift that people use to bless us every time we come into this place. They're given to us to help other people. For instance, I have some spiritual gifts, and when I use my spiritual gifts, like the gift of teaching, my hope is that you get blessed. The truth is, when you use your spiritual gifts, I know I'm blessed, and so do other people get blessed. And if other people don't use their spiritual gifts, if you don't use your gift, if I don't use my gifts, we all get cheated, don't we? Every gift is important. It's kind of like a puzzle, the scriptures say. And if you have a puzzle and one jigsaw piece is missing, what's the first thing that you notice? The one missing piece. Somebody's not using their gift because we have need this morning. If you don't develop those gifts that are dormant, lying there undiscovered in your own life, we all get cheated. 
And spiritual gifts are different than natural abilities. They may appear the same at times, but they're different. When you were born, you were given certain natural abilities. For example, how many of you can roll your tongue? Different ways, huh? Anybody? Statistics say that 53% of you can do that. I could do this. Austin can roll all sorts of different directions. The rest of you apparently are defective in some way. I, I don't know. Uh, can anybody roll their tongue under? Anybody? Huh? Yeah, yeah, very good. How about, can anybody wiggle their ears? I can't do that at all. I think it's really cool. Okay, so, Luke can do that. Very good. Anybody double jointed in their fingers? Okay, very cool. Uh, anybody double jointed in their toes? Now, I'll tell you what, that's a real ability. It is freaky. It, I'll get out, but it is, you guys got skills if you could do that, as I'm just saying. But every one of us, right, we have different natural abilities. It's just the way it is. For example, have you ever noticed when kids are born that there are some things they're just naturally good at? Some kids are born performers, right? They're cute, they're showing off, they're fun to watch, they have this extra confidence that allows them to just get up and do whatever, whatever they want. Others are athletic, others are sweet. But who taught them those things? Answer, nobody, really. It's just inborn. It's a natural gift. It's why our kids are so different, right? Some of you are good at math. Some of you are good at mechanics. Some of you are good at art and music. Some of you are born coordinated, so you're good at sports. You have a good sense of balance, and that's awesome. But the point that I want you to get is that we all get different physical and natural abilities. Similarly, I didn't say that, similarly, right? When you are born again, in other words, when you have a spiritual rebirth and you come to know Jesus Christ, when you experience salvation and you're in this spiritual rebirth, you get a new set of spiritual abilities to do a whole new set of things. And they're given to you the moment you come to faith. And these spiritual gifts produce spiritual results. For instance, have you ever noticed the difference between a Bible teacher and a spiritually gifted Bible teacher? It's a big difference, isn't there? The difference is the difference between information and transformation. One, you go, man, that was a really good teaching. The other thing you said, that just transformed my life. I think I heard Jesus this morning talking to me, right? A teacher can give you information, but when you're gifted at teaching the Bible, it transforms people's lives. It truly does. It changes them on the inside, and God's Spirit has a lot to work with. It has an additional power. It's just different than normal teaching. It's a different power than normal teaching has. In fact, I know a lot of people that are great teachers, in school, in college, in business, professional teachers, wherever. But they just don't seem to have the spiritual gift of teaching. So it's not the same thing. You can be good at one and not good at the other. Let me give you another example. Have you ever noticed the difference between somebody who is a naturally good singer and somebody who has a spiritual gift of encouragement and exhortation when they sing? Have you ever? We had a guitarist here uh, way back um, named Greg Foley. And he just, when he would stand up, up here, man, he worshiped. And it just exuded from him. And you just wanted to be in this place. And you were encouraged by everything he contributed to the praise team. And it was powerful and it was amazing. And it just, it was different. You notice the difference when you start seeing that kind of thing. Why? Why is it that some people sing and you go, that was nice. And other people sing and you feel it in your heart. It grabbed me, right? It's because they had the gift inside of them. When you hear somebody who's a really good singer, you go, wow. When you hear somebody who's spiritually gifted in that area, you go, wow, God. And it draws you to God. It draws your attention to how great God is. It draws your focus to God himself. And that's what spiritual gifts are for, to draw your focus to Jesus. 
There's an additional power to do the purpose that God created you to do from the very beginning. And so God says, I give them to you. Forgiveness for the past, a home in heaven, purpose for living, gifts to accomplish the purpose that I want you to accomplish. And I want you to celebrate that. Why? Because they show us in tangible ways just how much God loves us. They show us how valuable we are to him. They show us ultimately the purpose we were put on this earth to do. Paul said this, he says, life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by my, by, my, my, by my Lord Jesus. Did you know that God has a specific work for you to do too? The Bible says this, we are God's masterpieces. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us to do long ago. All that to say, do you understand how special and unique you are? To God, how important you are to him, how much he loves you, how he made you for a purpose, and he did it on purpose. It's truly incredible. And so Jesus kind of wraps all this up by saying this in Matthew 5, 16. He says, so guys, let your light shine in front of people. Then they'll see the good that you do, the stuff that you're shaped to do, and they will praise your father in heaven. My friends, rejoice today in the fact that God made you and that he loves you and that he made you for a purpose, on purpose. And that purpose, sometimes we get confused, is to use your gifts to point other people in your life to Jesus. That's what he puts you on this earth to do. But great is the love of God. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let us pray. God, we again thank you for, for loving us the way you do, for the care that you took in creating us and forming us and making us, for the thought that you, pre-thought that you put in and what it is that you wanted us to accomplish in this life. And then you gifted us in so many amazing ways, naturally and spiritually and all sorts of ways. Father, we apologize for, for not living our life focused on your plan for us. So often we get caught up in ours. And we say sorry to you, Lord, for not receiving the obvious gifts that you give us in forgiveness. And, and so sensing, sentencing ourselves so often and walking away glum and, and weighted down by sin and, and the frustration that comes with that. And not receiving this amazing gift that you've given us in your son. So today, Father, we just pray, comfort us with forgiveness and comfort us with salvation and comfort us with your Holy Spirit and comfort us with knowing that you have made us on purpose for a purpose in this life and that you love us so much. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen.